So what is Jesus walking in with you? Beside you, in front of you, behind you, maybe even in the distance. Hear now the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. When Jesus had come to the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. Now, as he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of you know that Pastor Nikki um, participates a lot in marathons. Uh, being a part of them, running with them. These could be half marathons. These could be full marathons. So anywhere between uh, 13 and 26 miles. Every so often, she asks me if I would like to be in one. And my my words change a bit, but my answer is always the same. Absolutely not. That's nuts. Why would anyone enjoy running for that long? I don't get it. And I'm sorry to any runners. I know there's a few runners here. I just, I can do it a little bit. I just can't do it that long. I can do a small one, like, you know, a 5K. That's only three miles. I can, I can kind of sort of do that. In fact, um, the last Carol Marsh 5K marathon we had here a few years ago, um, I participated in that one. And that one ends with going from Lake Morton, running up to the C building entrance. So Vistabula Street. Um, if you know, there's a little bit of an incline, and I certainly found that out since that was the last stretch, and it seemed like the incline was more like this. And, and so I was really trying to, you know, get that last part. And, you know, the great thing about a marathon is you have people encouraging you, hopefully. And we certainly did that day. Congre- people of the congregation, they were cheering us on. And in fact, my son even ran down with me and ran up the hill uh, to make sure that I made it. And so it is a good feeling when people encourage you. But that doesn't always happen. The encouragement was wonderful, uh, and we need that. We need that when we are at the last stretch. But sometimes in that last stretch, the encouraging words are not there. Sometimes the farther we go, the less there is. And what was celebratory and passionate and high energy before gets less and less and less. Until finally, when we get there, we find that there's not much of a crowd at all. This is the last stretch of Lent. The part of the journey when we should be looking at the final end, when Jesus begins the end of his journey by walking into Jerusalem. But this is also the beginning of the end of Jesus receiving all of those praises, all of those encouragements, all of those welcomes, all of those hosannas. 
we end that encouragement and that celebration because the more he gets to his goal, the end, the more alone he finds himself. And this is why we call this both Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday. We lift up the joy and the triumph of Jesus coming into the last city he will ever go to. But we also lift up the reality that the closer he gets, the more alone he becomes. And that not all people celebrate it. Now, not all people condemned him either. Sometimes we get into this stereotype that everyone who was there on Palm Sunday was then there to, you know, shout at him and spit at him and throw insults on Good Friday. It's not the case. It wasn't everybody. But chances are some of them were there for the beginning and for the end. But regardless, Jesus knew what was going to happen. So when a military invasion takes place, it would be done in the most intimidating way possible. If you were about to take over a town, a city, a community, you wanted them to be as afraid of you as possible. So as you show up as this oppositional oppositional force, you want to show them how strong you are. And so you have your entire army, all the chariots, all the horses, all the soldiers, all the weapons, all the armor, anything and everything which shows how you should be feared and surrendered to. Jesus does this on a donkey. He does this almost as a mockery of what does it mean to come into a city, not to invade, but to stand up to. He shows up in the style of someone looking to change and establish order, but he does it in the simplest and meekest way possible. And the townspeople, those who have heard about him, those who have heard what he can do, they rejoice. They are so happy to finally meet Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who is going to fix all of their problems and overthrow this oppressive government with the snap of his fingers. But of course, it's not that simple. Now, it's not that everyone saw Jesus as sort of the Chuck Norris of the Bible. If you don't know who Chuck Norris is, I'm sorry, we'll talk later. But Jesus understood that people were expecting him to just come in, kick down the door and just whip everything into shape. Many there were in an attitude of worship. It wasn't just praise. It wasn't just celebrity. They really did see him as the Messiah. They really did see him as the Savior, as God incarnate, which is why they shouted out Hosanna, which, of course, means save us. And so with these two sets, these two expectations, the expectation that Jesus was just going to show up as a magician and make everything bad go away, and the expectation that Jesus was literally going to save them, with these two sets of expectations, these two labels, with these two, and everything else in between of what everybody expected of him, Jesus keeps going. And he keeps going. Toward the cross. For Jesus, this was not anything new. It wasn't anything unexpected. For years, this is why Jesus would say to people after he said something profound or he performed a miracle or he healed someone, he always said, Don't tell anyone. 
Don't tell anyone what you saw. Don't tell anyone about who you think I am. Why? Part of the reason is he knew this would happen. He knew how people would see him, how they would treat him, what they would expect of him. And that's just the people who were on his side to say nothing of the people who wanted him arrested, condemned and killed. It sounds kind of weird to say, but I I wonder if in some ways the people who thought they were on Jesus' side were worse than the people who were against him. Because Jesus knew that they couldn't truly understand what they were saying. That they couldn't truly live up to it or to be able to fully go where Jesus was going. And so Jesus walks through. He walks through the praises past the insults, and the only thing that he can see, the only thing that he can truly see is his mission. There's this little blurb of a story in the first uh, chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark goes pretty fast. Jesus shows up, he starts doing his thing, people get angry, he comes to Jerusalem, and um, he's tried and crucified, and then, of course, we get to Easter. It's only about 16 chapters And so things happen pretty fast. And so when Jesus first comes on the scene, he invites his disciples to come with him. And as they follow, they immediately go into healing. Jesus is healing sick people, blind people, and the disciples just love it. They're eating it up because they are not only seeing it, but they're doing it along with Jesus. Imagine the greatest work day of your life when everything works. It's not hard. People love you. Things are getting accomplished. And you want it to happen as much as possible, right? Well, that's exactly what the disciples were wanting. Even to the end of the day when it was dark, when they couldn't see anything, they wanted to keep going. And at some point, they can't find Jesus. So they go to sleep. They wake up early. They realize they still can't find Jesus. When they finally do uh, find him, they find him by himself. And he's praying. And he's just in the dark. Praying by himself. I imagine that he's probably kneeling and looking down on the ground. And the disciples are so overjoyed because they finally have found their teacher and their leader. And they say, Master, Master, it's so good that we found you. There are more people in the village that we have to heal. Come on, let's get up. We got to go. And Jesus doesn't move. And someone, maybe probably Peter, said, Master, I don't think you heard me. It's time to get up. Have you ever gotten tried to get somebody up and they don't want to get up? Jesus just sits there. No, he kneels there. And the disciples in their almost childlike exuberance, their innocent joy, they start to realize that something is wrong. And their enthusiasm starts to go down. Maybe their hands come down. Maybe their shoulders come down. And they're just looking at their master, their teacher, who looks so incredibly weighed down. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus is praying. Now, in the story, this only happens in about the span of a second. 
All of this is happening in a span of a second. But as we likely know from our own life experiences, a second in the right circumstances can seem like forever. And maybe for Jesus it is. Maybe for Jesus in this moment of prayer, he is actually spanning through time and space, experiencing everything that he will experience as a human, but doing it as a divine human, which means it's all happening at once. There is no linear path inwardly for Jesus. It's everything all at once, all at the same time, and it's happening to him constantly. And so he prays. And maybe in the moment when he sees this crowd or he knows this crowd is is around him, he's able to see that crowd that he comes to today who has the same enthusiasm, but they have no idea what it is that they're actually asking. And maybe even bigger than that, in that moment when he's kneeling with his disciples, he's saying again and again, what he is going to say on Friday in that garden. Please, please take this cup from me. And so he just kneels in darkness while everyone is around him. Until finally... Jesus opens his eyes and he stands up and he looks around. He looks around his disciples. He looks around at the crowd and he says, it's time to go. And the disciples say, well, what do you mean it's time to go? We still have more work to do. All that, all that great stuff that we did yesterday, we, we got to stay. We got we to gotta do more of that. And Jesus says, no, I have to go. Let us go to the next place so that I may proclaim the message. For that is what I was sent to do. See, in those high times of celebration, those high times of praise, those high times when we sing those songs that we that we love so much. Jesus keeps going. In those really hard times, the times when tragedy after tragedy, heartbreak after heartbreak, frustration after frustration, defeat after defeat, when we say to ourselves, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. Jesus keeps going. So in this roller coaster that we call life, Jesus' message never changes. I am here to proclaim the message, the good news. For that is what I was sent to do. So, we're going to keep going. I know sometimes it feels as though we just want to stay that we just want to stay in this moment because maybe it's really comfortable. Maybe we're, we're doing great things and we've, we feel like we've hit the, the mountaintop and we can just do this forever. Or maybe we feel like staying because it's too hard. It's just too hard to go any further 
and we're tired and we're exhausted and we can't take one more defeat. We can't take one more tragedy. We can't take one more heartbreak. Or maybe we're somewhere in between where we just want to stay because maybe it's just easier. I think of that song every that we sing every now and then and Meg, you just you drive a nail into my heart every time you sing it. I could just stay here. I could stay and just be and, you know, just be great and never let these walls down and, you know, never go any farther. But you have called me deeper and you have called me higher. And I will go where you lead me. So this Holy Week, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going because we have not hit the finish line yet. And I know this last mile is hard and the incline seems like it's a mountain and that it's impossible to get there. But we're going to get there together. We're going to keep following Jesus as long as we can, as far as we can. Now, we may say in this moment today at the beginning of the week, that we are willing to go maybe farther than we actually can. And then as the voices die down, as the voices turn from praise to condemnation, or maybe even worse, there are no voices at all. Jesus keeps going. Jesus keeps going from this Sunday to next Sunday. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. Will we follow Jesus? And if the answer in this moment is, I can't, not today. I believe that Jesus will say to us, I will keep going. And when you're ready... Come with me. Those lyrics we just sang, as I walk from earth into eternity. I don't know that that's just limited to our time here on this earth and we take our next steps into that next world. I think it's part of what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of God is here. That we walk from this time into that eternal time and back and forth and back and forth as Jesus walks with us. This Holy Week may take us into some unusual, perhaps even uncomfortable times. But Jesus continues to go with us in those times of high praise, in those times when we feel as though we cannot take one more step. Jesus continues to say, I will break with you. I have broken with you. But where I am going, you can come also. And in those times when you can't take that next step, I will pick you up. I will give of my body, of myself to you. It is not just a gift for us to receive. That is the gift for us to share with the world so that all may know restoration and resurrection. So may we go this holy week and may we find that energy we cannot find anywhere else to share the love and peace with Jesus Christ. And may we go in that peace today and always. Amen.